Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What's going on, people? Welcome to this week's episode of It's All Black Academic with me, your host, Jordan Jarrett Bryan. And we have got a really, really good show for you guys once again for you guys today. But just before we get into our show for today, a heads up. If you don't know, the Black Academic shop is now open for business. Head to blackademic.com slash shop and you can find our hoodies, men's and women's. We've got T-shirts, men's and women's. We have rucksacks. We have Black Academic face mask, you know, be safe, be safe. I'm going to own properly, but you know how it goes. Um, go and pick on our, on our shop, blackademic.com. Head there, go and get yourself an early Christmas present or treat yourself after a really, really hard 2020 and go and buy a top or hoodie for yourself there as well. And secondly, Black Academic community has now launched as well. So what we want to do, what, you, what we want you guys to do is head to the website once again at the bottom of the homepage. If you go to the sign up bit, all you've got to do is add your email address. There's a couple of questions there about what you guys want from us, how we can facilitate the discussion you think we should be covering. We want to really build a black academic community of people um, where we're interactive and engaging with you guys to make sure that we're serving you guys as much as, as much as possible. There will also be some extra content in black academic community that you won't be able to get anywhere else on the channel or on our website as well. So go there, free of charge, website, um, the website, give us your email, and you will be part of a growing black academic community. Right, so on to today's show, which I'm very, very, as usual, excited about. I'm very excitable, but this, this show I think is going to definitely bang. We're going to discuss today around being black and dating. And it's something that I think uh, many people in the black community um, want to talk about, want to hear about, and are definitely experiencing, whether you are currently still dating or you've found a partner and you've had a bit of a traumatic experience dating as well. And to do so, I've got three fantastic guests as usual with me today. I'm joined first of all by broadcaster and presenter, Claire Clotty. I'm also joined by hey, the host of the podcast. You well, thanks for, thanks for much joining us, Claire. Appreciate that. Um, we're also joined by the host of the podcast, Authentic Series Dating, David Chambers. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, mate, very well. And we also have businesswoman Shari Lee with us as well. Shari, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi. Good, good. Um, everybody's nice but good. Um, if you guys are nice, I'm nice. I'm going to kick it off by asking, who loves dating? Who in here <laughs> loves dating? Let's just start with that. I love dating. Don't do much of it anymore, but I love dating. Who in here, who of you guys loves dating? I do. <laughs> well, that's why. 
<laughs> why? Um, for me, I guess why I love dating. It's an opportunity to meet people, you know, and get to know new people, learn about them, their life experiences, what they've been through, and share my life experiences and, and learn, actually learn more about myself by being in relation with other people, whether that be something long-term, short-term, or just like one date. You learn about yourself. It's a process of learning. I, and, I, and I really love that about dating. Ladies, are you guys in that long-term process or is it a case of you want to get to no. a good date, meet the man, and then <laughs> get to where you get into? <laughs> That's oh, okay, no. I will say I love dating the same person when I'm in a relationship. I absolutely <laughs> hate dating as a single person. I hate it. What? <laughs> I hate the idea of shopping for someone that I'm compatible with. I hate the idea of being examined or observed as a um, potential fit. I like organic connections with people. I like to be in places. I'm very sociable. Um, like David, I, I really enjoy having conversations with other people and learning about their life story, their history, um, their inspirations but I don't enjoy the intimacy with someone who ultimately we know we're both seeking a long-standing connection. Yeah, sorry, I was just gonna say, so um, I don't know, I think I kind of fall in between the two. I wouldn't say I love dating, um, but I wouldn't say I hate it. I haven't had um, you know awful experiences dating, but at the same time, um, you know, it's always that awkwardness, um, that first date, that period of kind of getting to know somebody that can kind of feel really kind of exposing and awkward at the same time. Um, but then I do enjoy the social element. So I understand that idea of trying to kind of connect with someone and meeting new people socially. Um, but as for learning yourself through someone that I don't know, I think um, I kind of feel like I went through the, the time, took the time out to kind of learn myself and do that work. Um, intimately to kind of learn who I am and come to the table kind of in that way. Um, so I suppose when I'm dating, I kind of expect someone to also have been doing that work on themselves rather like we will meet and obviously have to work together at some point. But, you know, I don't know, in the dating period, I think that's not where I'm kind of trying to work and see if we need to, you know, work on each other at that point. So I think that's my difference. I want to bring in the kind of cultural element of dating and why why I think uh, being black and dating is a different experience to being of any other ethnicity and dating. And I want you guys to kind of jump in there as well. But before we get to that, who thinks they're a good date? Who, who, on, who on this chat here says, you know what, because I think I'm a good date. I think I'm a good date. It's the later, <laughs> later on bit that I think maybe I'm weak. But I think I'm a good date. Does anybody here think they're a good date or does anybody think that, that they're, they're, they're a bad date and maybe that they haven't really learned the complexities of how to deal with the process of dating and once they get to relationship phase, they're in their comfort zone, but the dating process, they, they think they struggle in. Who's good and who's bad here when it comes to dating? I don't think anyone. I don't know. A date, right? Like, I think well, we all have know. everything on the table, even if it's awkward. No, I think that's part of it. Like, you know, I, I think if you're a good person, that will come through on the date ultimately, even if there are awkward moments. So I wouldn't say anyone's a bad, a bad date. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I'd probably you say I'm a very bad date. I'd probably say I'm a very inexperienced dater, which would make me a bad date because I do not like to date. I I would prefer to um, attend a social event with lots of people I know and oh hey, you're gonna be there, I'm gonna be there and just 
I like to see somebody hold their own in a social space. I don't like intimacy with people unless I've really chosen it. So I'm probably a bit awkward. Um, I'll eat food. Don't worry about that. I'll clean my plate. I'm not one of those, oh, I can only eat lettuce or whatever, <laughs> anything like that. But I just don't enjoy sitting across the table from someone who's in my space like that. I, as much as I'm so sociable, people don't really understand this. I'm really sociable, but I don't, I only let a very few limited few people in, whether that's in my home, um, into my, you know, my wider family home. I don't afford people the luxury of having me to that degree. I, I think, I don't know. I just think not everyone deserves to have me like that. Love that. And, and, and David, let me ask you, as someone, you're, you're going to be the dating guru of the four of us here because um, you have the podcast, <laughs> so you're the expert, yeah? Um, doing the podcast that you do, is there, is there such thing as a good date and a bad date? Is, is it almost like a game to be played and you can play it badly and play it well? Or is it just a case of Ooh. if you're yourself, you can't fail? I think, I think some people kind of date better because they are open they're open with themselves and they're also curious about other people. Like when you have those two things, if you're open with who you are and you're curious about another, it's like you are open to who they are. It's like, you're like, Oh, you're listening to who she is, what she's talking about. If you're, if you're a guy and you're interested and curious, and then you're willing to kind of talk about yourself and connect, then you can have the worst you're going to have is a date where you both talk, you both share a few things in common, but not that much. And there's no kind of connection and you, you part ways. Um, I guess some people, everyone's idea of what a bad date is, is different. You know, like for me, a bad date would be someone who is kind of closed minded, doesn't want to talk about themselves very much. I once had a date where a girl wouldn't tell me like where in London she lived. Like she said, I live in London. I was like, where about? She goes, I live in London. I was like, so do I. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is, and that was the first of a few things where she was like, you could tell that she was very concerned about her privacy. And I, there's a point where I said, you know, look, I totally understand that you're really concerned about your privacy, but like, it's very hard to know you if you won't kind of give me a ballpark of like what job you do or where you do it, you know? And I said, you know, that's, I understand, but it's like, for me, it makes, it makes it quite difficult. Um, so everyone has their idea of what a good and bad date is. And like, I really get what Claire's saying about, um, it sounds like for you, emotional intimacy is like a very private thing. And I really, I really, yeah, absolutely. To, to feel I safe David, as well, and feel comfortable with someone. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's about what's the intention of dating. If you're just going out to, um, oh, you're an interesting person, um, let's meet up. That's to me is not a date. <laughs> I do that with men, women, old people, young people all the time. That's, I, I have no problem networking, connecting, catching up, meeting someone on social media and just saying, oh, yeah, you know what, we've got some similar interests. And that's really, you know, David, I'd love to meet up with you, actually, because, you know, just before we've come on air, like, I'm like, yeah, he's a really interesting person, but I'm not interested in dating you. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm locked up. <laughs> just, just, just somebody then, like, I'm, I'm not sure. So how does that work? How did you meet your husband then? Because I guess you seem quite obviously guarded. So how do you get to that space where you are getting to know somebody, um, you know, somebody new that's coming into your life? 
again, it's networking, it's socializing. I met him doing something that I really enjoy doing. It's, it's, I think that, you know, when you were saying, Sherry, that you have to work on yourself, I agree and disagree at the same time. I know you did say when you come together, you have to work together again, but I think you have to be doing the things you love. You have to be organically out and about. I don't think that if you, uh, the kind of person who is at home and doesn't socialize at all, I think, yeah, your chances are slimmer and there are other resources like online dating to help you out. I'm out there. I'm out and about. I'm talking to people. Um, I'm really happy to get to know people. But it's very few people that can spark my interest on an intimate level. And I think as a journalist, I'm always inquiring. I'm always interested in the mind and the behaviors and experience of others. But to, to, to get the brain, the heart, and the JJ aligned, it, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Mm. I, there's so many beautiful people. There's so many good-hearted people, interesting people, pop, sexy-looking people. But it's got to be the whole package for me. What you said about kind of the head, the heart, and the genitals, it's like it's very, it's very yogic, you know, and it's very true. It's like we, we have these different centers that we make decisions from, and it's really important in dating that you are making those decisions from those places because it's really easy mm. to uh, i think in a society now people just think with their genitals it's just like men are thinking with their dicks are like oh she's hot you know i want to date her and sleep with her afterwards and they're forgetting that actually okay. there's this heart part but the, there's this connection sorry, David, let, me push back, let me push back on you and claire a little bit i'll just challenge that a little bit what, whilst i totally understand what you're both saying some people will be saying you're just overcomplicating it why can't it just be catching a vibe why can't you know what we get along really well you have some similar interests. I think you're attractive. You think I'm attractive. You know what? Let's just go and kick it. And if it just doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Some people will think that you're putting a lot more um, uh, of, the, of the mental side into the process than is probably necessary. Can it not just be a bit more, you know what? Let's just go get some food and just catch a vibe. Mm. Or, or is it more than that? I think it's your intention, um, isn't it? And what your beliefs and values are. If you intend on just being single, and um, you enjoy short-term relationships and you're quite comfortable with two-year, you know, roundabout and then onto the new, then that's cool if that's what you want to do. But I'm what I describe as a lifer. I've always wanted to have that secure, steady relationship that I can really build a foundation on for my children, hopefully grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I want to make that contribution to the world. I see that as my purpose. So for me to frivolously date, is defeating the object of my purpose and whether i've made that purpose up in my mind or whether you know i've had some kind of spiritual awakening that's what i feel i was born to do hear it hear it well, i understand um, all of that and i like i think i genuinely agree with everything you're saying because i i understand you know being in long-term relationships and that's how i've been as well and then i came out and i've been single for a, a long period um but I do, I think what it is for me, is like, it has to start somewhere. And, you know, I'm not necessarily somebody that's always like out networking and doing all those kind of things. So I think it's, I like, I understand, you know, when um, Jordan's saying, like, it is sometimes just about kind of catching a vibe and, and that, that vibe that you're looking for, is that somebody that sparks it on a more intimate level for you? And then you go, okay, this is somebody that I want to get to know way more about. But I think it's, it's just that initial, okay, we have to kind of start some, somewhere. Um, you kind of have to get to know someone. And if you don't, 
you know, if you're not out kind of networking and stuff like that, that has to be dating. Um, so I think, you know, you have to kind of get comfortable with, yeah, kind of, you know, speaking to different people and maybe not all those conversations are going to be, you know, life-changing conversations or going to be that with that person that's your soulmate, but it has to kind of start somewhere. Yeah, well, do you know within a short space of time whether someone is going, you're going to be in a long-term relationship with someone or not? Because I think, I think you can tell very quickly. Yeah, so do I. Um, I'm, I used to have this thing, this rule, which was three dates maximum, right? So to me, it's, um, you know, you go on your first date, you can have a really, really good first date and it can all be like all nice and lovely. Um, and then you go on your second date, uh, maybe not so much heat, but still something good. Um, if I'm in the second date and I kind of think, actually, there's still nothing here, then definitely not. Because I think, you know, everyone needs a second chance sometimes, depending <laughs> on the first date. But, yeah, but generally, you know, I try to be a bit more open-minded as well, kind of, especially as I get older and I change what I'm looking for. So I try to be more open-minded. So I always try to at least do a second date um, if it's kind of like it was a good date, but not sure. Um, but yeah, definitely. If it, if it, I get to three dates, and well, we won't get to three dates if I feel that is a no go. So I think you can really tell in the first couple of dates if you want to see somebody. You can tell on the first date really if you want to see somebody again. So I don't think it has to be a long drawn out process. And yeah, if I'm probably seeing you beyond three dates, then I know it's going to be something that's a bit more you know long term. And then I'm really kind of you know looking to get into the in depth things and find out more about you and you know do things that we enjoy together and all those kind of things. I, I actually I actually think a significant part of dating is the in-between dates as well. Whilst I, I really enjoy the actual dates themselves, I think it's the in-between dates. So it's the it's the day after the date and it's it's the kind of communi what's the communication like and um, what's the tone like that I think I pick I think you can pick up a lot on whether something's going well or whether you're enjoying it as well in between dates. Because on the dates is the easy bit, I think. It's how do you it's the right amount of communication, right amount, it's the right tone. To kind of make sure that everybody's on the same page and happy but what i wanted to ask you guys now is so, some people will be saying why did i frame the, the debate at the start as being black and dating because <laughs> i want you guys to explain that the experience of being a black person and in particular the ladies why that differs from being a white person and dating or an indian person and dating and let, let me kick off with you shari if indeed you agree that being a black woman and dating is different to other ethnicities dating tell us why um i definitely think it's it is a different experience as a black woman dating um particularly if you're a black woman looking to date as another black person i think um it it sounds really bad to say but i think there's always questions you ask um you know is this somebody is this a black person that you know dates black, black uh, not that dates black people um is it somebody that you know has a certain type of view and i think you know, when it comes to kind of black people dating, I think politics as well plays a lot, a big part in that too. Um, so I think that's where it kind of becomes a little bit more tricky than kind of the average kind of group dating. Um, also, I think just within our community, there's kind of so much hype around. It's either, you know, black love all the way, or there's always kind of this, There's it's always a discussion topic, you know, whether it's about interracial dating, it's about black love it's about you know can black men and black women actually get along together there's just always so much kind of extra politics around that um and then being in the sphere of dating and we've obviously always seen the statistics about you know black women being less selected on apps 
um, that they're the less desirable. So all those kind of things, I think, play a factor when you're a um, black woman dating. And you have to kind of think about that when you're, um, you know, looking at your who's out there as well and the type of man that you're looking for. Um, yes, I definitely think it's a different experience for black women dating. But I think we definitely need to contextualize this. It needs to go a lot deeper. And some people might say, oh, you're going too deep. But if we think no, about deep, it, how many, ah, how many examples of happy, happy, healthy black relationships do we see? Now, even yeah. if we don't know that they exist in white homes, uh, Hollywood has portrayed these fantastic relationships for us to see, for us to aspire to. Black people as a community, as a people, we're very secretive and selective. There's a cultural nuance around if something's going really good, a superstition of it might be too good to be true or other black people are going to try and interfere with the good thing that you've got. In terms of black women being less desirable on you know, dating apps, I don't necessarily buy into that. I, I think that not enough black men put themselves out there on dating apps. Therefore, the type of person who might more openly be attracted to you is not actually on that platform in the first place. And if they are on that platform, there are um, a plethora of women who equally over-sexualize or desire or want to tick off the fact that they've dated this black man or, or whatever their reasons, there's a lot more competition. And for a black woman, when they are on these social media um, or dating apps, it can feel like you're fetishized, you're, you're this exotic fruit, you're this, oh my gosh, this is really mysterious and exciting and fun, let me try, and, but I'm, I've never really had the intention of going full-fledged. So I think there's a lot of dynamics at play. And I equally think that some of our traditional practices of dating have gone out the window, and I think they're quite useful. What happened to someone introducing someone to someone and, you know, hey, this is my friend, this is my cousin, they're singing. Traditionally, where I'm from, Ghanaians used to do that, like the Asians, not necessarily arranged marriage, but introductions. Black people have become so defensive to that kind of thing. If I say to a single um, um, black female, oh, I've got a friend, oh, it's all of this fear and anxiety and oh no, almost like shame. You're single, I've got a single friend, why are you embarrassed for me to introduce you uh, you know, with the possibility of something going further. Now, I don't want responsibility for that relationship, but I have no problem introducing you. So I think there's just so many different dynamics at play, and we are our own worst critics. We don't even know what someone else is going to say about us, but we've already thought about all the bad things, all the reasons why potentially we're not good enough, because I think that's what it really comes down to. I don't think if you're very confident within yourself, the first thing you're gonna start doing is going, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna be picked on this because there's X amount of people on here. You're just gonna go with it. So it is very difficult. There's so many things that play in our minds, which has led me, the first thing I did when I started dating was check myself into a relationship, um, you know, therapy, because I knew I was good on my own. I'd managed to get myself to that level of independence, self-sufficiency and just wholesomeness suddenly here's a potential great prospect and I'm looking for problems where there isn't any. I'm pick, oh, this is too good. Pick, 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 pick. I'm, I could potentially sabotage this relationship was what I was thinking because I was good on my own, but I had not learned how to be good with someone else, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh, go, go on, David. David, you pick up. You want to say something? Yeah, I think this is interesting things Claire said there. Like, I, I really agree. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, we how we view the world is how the world occurs to us. How we think the world is is how the world occurs to us. I think people are not acutely aware of this enough. It's like the more you say, the more you say if you're a black woman, and I, and I've never had the experience of being a black woman, and you say, all dating apps are useless for me. They're shit for me. All the men there, they're fetishizing me. They're, I'm not going to be picked by decent men. And more of that, what you're going to experience is every time a man matches with you, that's in your head. That's your, it's in your reaction. You're like, hmm, there's a suspicion. There's this, what's this guy about? You know, that sort of thing. Or So we have to be really careful of, of that sort of thought patterns that's going on in our head. And also, I'll say about, our experience of relationships. It's like, what did our relationships look like as we grew up? What were, you know, what were the black people in our lives? What did their marriages, their relationships look like? Were they functional? Were they dysfunctional? Did we recognize them as being dysfunctional? Because you bring that into your dating life. As much as you think that your past is in your past, it's imprinted on your brain and you're carrying that into your life. So, you know, the way we date as black people is really, really kind of ingrained past and the trauma that we've experienced when it comes to, to sex and ships, you can't part that with the trauma we've experienced, right? Um, so I say as a black man, I think it's interesting because the people I coach, I've, co- I've coached like Eastern European men, I've coached white guys, I've coached Australians. And and it's what's really interesting for, for black men is there is this, uh, there is a fetishization of black men, like whether that's white women, whether that's, um, it's, I'd say it's mainly come from white women, to be honest, especially Europeans um, and cultures where they're not used to, to black people. And even it happens in like the the kind of fringes of, of England and so forth. So there's there's that dealing with that's just really interesting because there's this idea of you being kind of like this ghetto man that they want to sample like a, you know, like a fine wine. And for me, what would happen to me a lot in my dating was I would turn up and I'd be this man who's quite refined, quite worldly, well-traveled. And the women would be shocked because this is not what they expected me to turn up and be like, you know, whether that be you know someone I met in a bar one night quickly and took a number or someone I met online. So there's that um, perception about black men that black men are battling as well. And there's also the perception of black men that black men don't want commitment. They can't commit. They just want sex. You know, that. That is a big rhetoric that still rolls around um, very prominently when it comes to dating. I'll come to you next, Shari. So the perception thing I think is really interesting about when you're a black man, that's not what they thought they were signing up for too. I want to touch, touch on the fetishization thing a bit more as well and sex, because I believe the fetishization of black men works differently to black women. I think that a lot of black men play on fetishizations and they use it to their advantage in a way that from a lot of the black women I know, and the ladies can agree with me or disagree, it works against them. Because as Claire explained earlier on, it tends to be this thing from non-black men that they want to kind of try a black woman. You know, they've heard about the round booty and they've heard about all the kind of stereotypes that kind of come with a lot of black women. Whereas I think a lot of black men like it and play on it. I just wonder, I'll pick up with you, Shari, if if, if you agree with the the difference in experiences with being fetishized with black men to black women. Yeah, um, absolutely. Sorry, just before we do, I do want to quickly just touch back to what we talked about in terms of um, black women and their experience on apps and also kind of feeling like, you know, if you go on there with this mindset that you're not going to be selected, that, um, you know, black women are less attractive. 
that that's already at play when you're kind of trying to meet somebody. I do want to just make sure we're careful not to kind of um, gaslight the emotions of black women. And I think that happens quite a lot in saying that, oh, you know, it's in your head or you have to do the work on yourself. Um, when I know lots of black women who always do the work on themselves, you know, and we're always constantly growing, constantly, you know, trying to do that partnership thing and trying to learn more about what they look like in relationships and how that works. Um, but there are also very real things at play. Um, and, you know, I saw a YouTube thing. There was a, a girl, a YouTuber. She is of darker hue complexion um, and she kind of put her po profile up. Um, you know, and then what she did is she done a s exact same profile with her picture, her exact face, but lightened her skin color in it um, and then showed the different responses that she got. So and that actually then played back into the fetishism thing, which we kind of came around to. So I just want to say that I think it is a very real thing when we're talking about, you know, the fact that on these apps, um, black women may be less selected. But I don't think it's, you know, I think obviously, yes, it is also a mindset and how you approach someone when they match with you um, and remaining open-minded and not kind of keeping that with you. But I think we just need to be careful not to kind of dismiss it as this thing that could be in black women's head. Um, and then, yeah, just to go back into the fetishism thing. Yeah, I was going to say it as uh, David was talking, um, you know, that, you know, it kind of sounds like you're saying you openly kind of go out on dates with women that you know are fetishizing you. And I think that's kind of part of the problem. You're kind of saying, oh, you know, I turn up and I'm not exactly what they expected me to be. Da, 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 da. Well, do you know what do you, I just kind of wanted to get an idea of what you think they, you, they expect from you. And if you think it's this stereotypical kind of black image, is that not kind of playing into this, right into that fetish card, basically? Yeah, I'd definitely say, like in my younger years, like I definitely played into it. I was a young man and I was, you know, I was driven by different, uh, different values and different desires to, to what I am in the last, definitely last few years where I learned to, I learned over the years that, you know, there, if you're just looking for sex and a, a good couple of nights as a man, it's like, you can just play into it. But as I grew older and I wanted something more meaningful and I wanted to connect more deeply with people, you know, you exchanging a few messages and you're like, Oh, I see, I see what this is here. This is someone who, they want to kind of enjoy the perception over the reality. And I would just bow out at that point and be like, oh, that's, no, I'm not into that. Or that's not the sort of my man I am. So I definitely say, like, and I know guys are definitely, you know, you're in your 20s, you're young, and you're just, you're just looking for, for fun and enjoyment. And men definitely play into that. I've definitely, I've, I would say I've definitely done that in the past. Um, guys, tell me about some of the things that you've heard from when you've been on dates that um you've you, that have made you very very aware that the person is aware that you're a black person so have any of you guys been on dates where a kind of joke has been said without them realizing it or a comment or i mean david had kind of alluded to it earlier on about stereotypes of the, say a white woman as an example thinking she was getting this kind of black man and david is this kind of black man but has anybody been on a date where they can tell us an example or a tale of where their race became very, very relevant and obvious in the dynamic of the two, between yourself and the person you were dating? For me, it's always going to be that question. That, and, I, and I get it from black men because that's who I date. Um, and I will say there's a difference when dating a mixed race man and a black man. But I'll tell you what that question is that really upsets my soul because they're assessing me as a black woman rather than a woman. Can you cook? 
Oh, oh. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you kidding? It's like, it's like, well, no, you've said that line, I'm out of it. Yeah. Sorry, Claire. So, so sorry, Claire. I, I know, but I know Italian women, Latin American women that also get asked that question by, by, by guys they go on dates with. I'm not so sure. It's okay, hold a, on. A, 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 go on. All right. Can you cook? What do you mean? Like, can you cook, cook? It's the oh, double, okay. it comes with a, because I challenge it. I'm like, what do you mean by cook? Like, cause, where are you from? Oh, I'm no. from Ghana. Oh, great. Can you cook? Yeah, of course I can cook. Like, you know, I've got to sustain myself, let alone <laughs> anyone else. No, but can you cook, cook? Yeah. <laughs> what can you cook? If I said right. lasagna, paella, mm -hmm. risotto, mm -hmm. no, they want to know, can you pound fufu? Will you be standing over the stove making bunku like my, my dad did for my mum and serving me on a tray with a, a, a cold glass and a serviette? Full? That's what they're asking me. Can you replace my mother? <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's how I interpret it. I 100% agree. But yeah, that's it. it. It's exactly the same experience. And when a man says that to me, it kind of lets me know it makes me feel weary because I'm like, okay, what are you looking for? Are you looking for someone that's going to step into that mother auntie role that's going to be coming here to like, you know, <laughs> care of you? Or are you looking for a partner, someone to grow and, you know, develop with? But, you know, the only difference is I'm Jamaican, so it's can you make oxtail? Can you cook curry goat? Literally. But I don't think there are other women that are Sorry, just for clarification, can you cook oxtail and curry goat? <laughs> I make a bad the channel, man. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sorry, 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 sorry. Go on, sorry. I completely agree. And I just think, yeah, I don't feel like, um, you know, other races of women might be like, oh, can you cook? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so nice. But basically, it's like, if you're a black woman, the standard is a completely different standard. And it's not the standard of somebody that you would just be looking at if you were dating outside of your race. I don't think, I don't, I don't know any other white woman that's, you know, been told if they cook, if they can cook lasagna that they can't cook. Black women will say, oh, I can cook a lasagna. And they'll be like, oh, well, you can't cook then. So. I will say in um, Asian communities, because I've coached quite a lot of guys from various Asian communities, and it's a, it's quite a standard question for the men to ask the, to like, for, say, a Pakistani man to ask Pakistani women, like, can you cook? Or an Indian man to say, yeah, can you cook? Can you cook these regional dishes? You're from this area. Can you cook this? Can you cook that? It's, it's, it's an interesting one because it's never left my, it's, I can't even think of the time it's ever left my mouth to say to a woman, oh, can you cook? Unless it's been very, you know, normal, you're, you're talking about certain food and like, can you cook that? But I'm not like, oh, can you cook so you can replace my mum? Because my mum hasn't really cooked for me much for the last 15 years. So it's not even on my <laughs> mind. <but it's>, yeah. <laughs> so, so David, what, what's the equivalent question then that men are telling you they get asked by women? Is there, is there an equivalent that, that the guys are telling you? <clears throat> the coaching that you do that really annoys them or really triggers them or makes them think, okay, yeah, this is going to be the last day we have. Money. Money questions. It's like how, you know, it's not even necessarily obvious questions as a woman, like how much money do you earn? It's like, you know, what's your position? Like, who do you work for? Oh, that company. Never heard of them. So it's not a reputable company. You know, it's money. Men are very touchy about money as a question that is being asked about when it comes to, down to dating. Because they're very, men are very worried, I'd say, irrationally about gold diggers. Like, oh, she just wants me for my money. She's going to take me to the cleaners if we get married. And I know it's an irrational fear for men. I talk to them. I go through it with them. And you, you, most of the time what you see is that they're projecting outwardly that their women want them for their money. But actually, it's internally, they don't think they have the worth. They don't think that they have the value. So they're trying to create value through their, having their own money. You see, it's like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a cycle that happens. But yeah, it's definitely money, money questions that men really get their back up. I want to add to that, though. I think that fear and anxiety is also fueled by their parents, unfortunately, because I know of yeah. black men whose dads, whether they're in the home or not, will tell them be careful of gold diggers and whose mums will say that and not necessarily for healthy reasons, but because their son has been helping them manage their household and it's like oh if a woman mm. comes along is she suddenly gonna start taking away my washing machine money my breakfast fridge money my the little change that my son gives me to there's this codependency thing going on between some mothers and their sons that i think is very unhealthy but then also that thing from fathers especially if they're out of their home or if they've seen their friends go through a really traumatic situation yeah, yeah. It's this kind of traditional role of the man as being the provider, which which just gets taught downwards, which isn't very useful, right? Because we're in an age now where women, they make their own money. 
like I think I was reading a statistic about the states where women under, I think it's 35, out-earn men, right, of the similar age. So it's like we're coming to a world where a woman doesn't necessarily need a man for money. She wants companionship. She wants connection. She wants a relationship. She wants, like, growth. And men just need to let go and they need to be stopped being taught that your value is in your performance. Your value is in your output. No, your value is in your character and who you are. Um, guys, where do people meet dates now? Because especially this year, 2020, where for half the year the world's been on lockdown, we've touched on apps and experiences mm. that black women in particular <clears throat> can have on, on dating apps. Uh, Claire mentioned earlier on about um, being introduced by friends. But other than that, if you if you want to just, if you're ready for a date and you're like, I've done the work on myself, I'm ready to be with someone, I want to have some fun with somebody and really go out and date and do the thing, where do you go? Where do people go now to meet people? Wow, I mean, I guess, yeah, well, I I don't know. I mean, I recently kind of broke down my kind of thoughts and expectations of what I thought about apps um, and joined a dating app um, and actually was pleasantly surprised, um, was kind of talked into it with a couple of friends um, and they've also come back and said they've had good experiences as well. So on this particular app, actually. and yeah, it's been good actually. And I think because of um, you know lockdown and stuff like that, we've seen kind of reports. We've seen people saying it. You know, people are now looking for more of a connection. The idea of kind of just kind of meeting for a hookup is kind of gone as well. And I think that's taken a lot of the kind of um, you know the people that were there just for kind of casual hookups off of the apps, um, and really brought on a lot more people who are looking to kind of connect on a deeper level. Um, and because of that, I think people are having good experiences and I've been having, you know, great conversations and met some really great people. So I think, um, yeah, you know, it's definitely, I think lockdown has kind of changed the way I've looked at dating apps and the, definitely the experience that I've had on a dating app so far. So. What's, the, what's the app called? Hook us up, man. Share the love. <laughs> I've been on here. Yeah. I've been on here. It's been good. It's been good. And I think that's great. I think that's great because I think, you know, I went on an on di- online dating app for three days and I came off because people I knew, uh, including uh, an ex's brother, came up as a potential match. I was like, whoa, this is not the space for me. <laughs> but um, I think previously, you know, when I've sat down with friends and I've tried to go through apps with them, it's very much felt as a black woman, it's felt like going into a techno rave. I don't do techno. You don't do techno. What are we doing in this space? This is not the right space. Well, you might meet an interesting person, but it's just not the right space. This is noise. We know this is noise. So take yourself into a space that is more conducive to the community that you want to be around or that you're interested in, might have shared values or traditions or whatever. And I, I really want, I really want, you know, black people to really understand that just because you're black doesn't mean that you'll automatically get everything. You know, my fella is African-American. I'm a black British African with Caribbean cousins, very um, dynamic identity. So I think go into uh, apps now where some of the dating apps where you pay, I think there's an invested interest in doing this smart and doing this properly. And I have no problem with those apps. I, I would actually suggest to people, go on those apps. It's a useful way of filter in some of the nonsense the techno, um, yeah. the techno. <laughs> um, can we ask you guys about the kind of sexual element of the sexual dynamic of black people dating 
And if you guys feel that there is a difference in expectations, conversations, um, and just a different energy, and when it comes to the kind of, I don't know, the sexual energy that I think you maybe get when you're dating a, as a black person, is that different as well to when, I know that Claire and Shari um, don't date non-black men, but have, has anybody heard from their friends who are black who do date non-black men or women about the difference in kind of the, the sexualization of that process when it's with non-black people? I wouldn't say I don't uh, date black men. Oh, sorry, I only date black men. I've dated one white guy. I was quite young okay. and actually I was very concerned about what the outside world <laughs> would think. And so at the time, I think I was too immature to really um, appreciate that person. Um, but in terms of sexualization, I definitely do think that chemistry, not, no, let me eliminate that word because I think that word is overused and not in the right context. I definitely think that physical attraction is important. It's not the be all and the end all. Um, but I do think you have to um, be able to look at someone when you're angry and still be like, oh, God, just, just something about you still, you know, so that you can bridge the gap in some way, shape or form and overcome situations. But um, yeah, some of my, 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 I've got, I'm at a friend's house. I'm, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this. <laughs> She's a mixed race woman. Who dates white men, right? And you know, I help her unpick this. So in recent years, we've really been trying to understand what is this about? Your dad's black, and you never date black men. Anyway, for her dating white men, and for my white friend who dates my white girlfriend who dates white men, sex ain't nothing. They are doing it like if it's oh yeah, next week. Let, it doesn't matter. It's it's not a massive hindrance. You know, if they have sex on the first date, they could get married. And it'd be fine. As a black person, oh my God, mm. we had sex on the first date. This could never be anything long-standing. He's never going to respect me. He's never going to lock me down. Oh, I've ruined it. And that's it. It's the end. Whereas, you know, I think there are, of course, promiscuous or um, more free-spirited black people with sex, but they keep it quiet. They're not shouting about it. It's undercover lover business. It's, if you're going to do it and you're going to be bold about it, just be bold about it. But I don't, or if they are bold about it, they're loud, incredibly loud. And it's got to be a statement, a political statement. I'm free. I'm liberated. I can fuck who I want. It's like, where's the balance? Show us something along the spectrum, please. Yeah. I feel like, like I've, I've, I've definitely dated in and out black women, white women, Asian women. And I'd say that there's not a huge difference in people's sexual nature. I think one of the things around attractiveness as well like who we find attractive is socialized right it's not even yes. necessarily a, a personal choice we are socializing to who is attractive so like if you've come from depending what your community was like when you grew up what your family was like you know if you grew up in an all if you're black and you grew up in an all-white area for instance you're probably more likely to date just date white people right and find white people attractive because that's what you grew up with or if you had very poor um kind of role models and like what black people are like, then you might move away from black people. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot to unpick there. There's a huge amount, right, to, to doing that. And I, I, one other thing I would say is about the previous question about uh, how to meet people. Quite a few of my clients have been using introduction services, like what you would traditionally call matchmakers. Um, and they've had some very good results. They've met some very interesting people. It's something that black people don't move towards. 
Like it's one of those things within the matchmaking community that they struggle. If there's someone that's black comes along and says, I want to date black people, the matchmaker's almost like, okay, cool, but I don't have any black people in my books, you know? So mm-hmm. that's another another kind of area to meet people. Yeah. But I think that, you know, kind of to touch upon something we were talking about earlier around sex and black people, it's really interesting that we're highly sexualized, right, in the media. And I think some of that's, I see music, I look at that, it's like black men and women in music, it's like, oh, they're all just fucking, it's just like half naked having sex. But yet, when you talk about black people, when you talk to black people about sex in a more, like, intimate or more maybe even spiritual sense it's like whoa 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 whoa! you can't talk about sex like that sex is just like it's like fucking or if you talk about freedom in terms of like bodily freedom in terms of sexual freedom and liberation like i find that in some of the spaces i moved that you just don't really find especially black men you don't meet black men in those spaces which is a real shame i feel i feel that i definitely get that actually um especially growing up i felt like there was so much kind of pressure on me as a, a young black woman, right, um, over my kind of sexual identity and, you know, sleeping around. And there was always this idea of, you know, you don't want to get no babies, um, you know, boys mm. on the end calling you names. All those kind of things were around you so much. So there was this kind of really kind of closeted um, kind of sexual um, growth, I guess, of your, your sexual identity just kind of growing into that and what that means or whether you do want to be promiscuous or sleep around or that freedom I just don't think when you're a young black girl I think it it's you've got like this much freedom before somebody around you is going to basically call you out of your name and I think that plays a lot into it um but I think Mm. as I get older I realize that is kind of a stigma around you know being younger um younger black men I think as I get older I meet older black men I think we're all much more open um you know we've talked about going to the extreme now and we do we have Um, women who are out and proud and talking about their sexual liberation Um, and while I think you know there's definitely some um, tweaks to be done to that message and kind of how it's being orchestrated I do um, like it in the sense that I know what it kind of felt like being younger and feeling kind of so sexually oppressed and then I knew you know young white girls who were my friends and they would go on holiday to, you know, Corfu and that would literally, they'd be talking about all the sex they'd be having and all the guys they'd meet and literally the fact they wanted to go out there. And it was something that was so alien. And I'm not saying obviously, you know, young black women should run out there and start doing that. Um, but I do like the fact that, you know, right now black women have a more space than ever to kind of express themselves sexually because it does play a part when you're starting to date someone um, in just how open you can be and not necessarily sexually open and I think that's the message that we need to kind of you know tune in on how we do we kind of manage who we are uh, our sexual identity our sexual persona how do we kind of manage that and you know um, know when to share it and when not to but I think the freedom and the fact that you're able to express it and own it um, is something I'm very much behind and I want to see more, you know, black people do. And I think as we get older, um, that becomes less of a stigma about, you know, whether you're going to sleep with someone on a first date or, you know, whether you're waiting, you know, six months because you want to build a connection or whatever. So um, I think it's, it, it's also something that um, age plays into it too. Yeah. Go, go, go on, Claire, go on, go on. Sorry, Jordan, just wanted to say that... Um, Again, I think family influence is so huge. I remember when I was about mm. 16 and I, um, a cousin of mine used to come around all the time, older guy cousin, everyone fancied him. He's a bit of a, a goon, a road man about it. And I remember him saying to me one day that he would never wifey 
a light-skinned woman, and this is a, a black African man. Oh, no, 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 never wifey that. Okay. But you lot are always teasing me about being yellow in the family. Well, like, am I light-skinned or am I? Yeah, yeah you're light-skinned. Yeah, you're cool, but I'd never wifey a light-skinned woman. And I remember that being stuck in my head because when I asked him, why wouldn't you, you know, marry or whatever, settle down with someone who's fairer complexion? He said that they were loose, they were easy, and they were shit in bed. Wow. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Do you know how much that played in my willingness to open up to a black man? It was unbelievable. Mm. I was like, anyone who's darker than me has this assumption of me. So it's not that I don't find you attractive, but I think that you think that I'm easy or I'm not good in bed. I'm not freaky enough. And of course, a, dark, a darker complexion, you know, my sister's darker complexion, she would have maybe the opposite in the sense that, oh, you're going to be extra freaky because you're going to be that more, much more keen to please because you're not necessarily the, the uh, um, society's status quo standard of beauty. But that didn't come from men outside of my immediate circle. That was my own relative. Mm. And I didn't realize that that had so me for so long. It's so easy to take on those stories we hear and be like, this is how the world is. Because you trust your family. At that age, you trust those who are around you. If I got into a problem, if I needed money, if I was somewhere that I wasn't supposed to be and I told my mum that I was, he would cover for me. This is someone who I trusted. So I trusted mm. his truth or I trusted his perception at that age. And I held on to that. I'm going to wrap, guys, by asking you guys for your best and worst dating experiences or dates. But I'll give you a couple of minutes to think of that. Before that, I just want to just go back to the thing that Shari was talking about earlier on. And I just wonder if we have to almost reframe and reimagine what dating in 2020 now is and what relationships even are now. Because maybe the reason why dates are so are not happening as much as they used to be is because there's more and more people now that are just quite happy to be the person that just dips in and out of different relationships or, you know, dating people on a very, very open basis is, listen, I'm happy just meeting two free guys or two free girls and I'm going to, I'm going to own that. I'm going to be liberated by that. I don't want to be tied down by that. And that's how I want to live my life. Are the traditional ways of dating, are, are they just outdated now? Mm, I'd start to, I'd say that it's like really important to really check in with the people you're dating. Like what are your, what's your dating intention? Because dating is this term that you could ask 20 people and you might get 20 different definitions of what dating looks like or dating success. Like I was um, one of our posts on Instagram and I, we said something about, I said, oh, you know, if you're dating just to get married, then you, you could be in for a lot of trauma. Like you can open your mind to dating, to meet new people, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but, you know, everyone has their a different level of what success is. It's like, Marriage is not necessarily the be or end or of dating for everybody. For some people, it is. For some people, it isn't. So I think it's like checking in with the intention um, of what the people you're dating is. And I'd say when it comes to like old ways of dating, whether that's still relevant now, like meeting people is still meeting people, though, right? It's still connecting. I think relationship structures are going to start to change. I think you're going to see, you know, people are looking at marriage and going, okay, this, we get married for life. A lot of people are like, is that really realistic? Marriage is a, was a, a construct that was, was brought about in the days when we probably lived to, what, 30 or 40 years. Now we live to almost 100. You know, we, we do evolve as people. Um, 
you know, you've got the, the advent of people who are moving into more kind of polyamorous relationships. You've got some people who are just going celibate, just going, that's it. I'm not in this dating business. Fuck this. I'm just going to be, do me and move through my life, be successful, enjoy myself and, and, and spend my time with my family. So we're seeing a lot of, of change in dating. And I think driving that, which I think, and driving that, I think is great, is, is women. And it's, I think it was something we've always seen is that women's rights, women's liberation, women's requirements drives men and the dating to, to more, to better, more higher levels. You know, it's like if you go back 60 or 70 years ago, a woman who's dating, she's like, I just want a man who can look after me and, you know, look after my kids. Now we, we're expecting a lot more from our relationships. I definitely think that there are um, there has been some movement in on the traditional sense of dating and you know people are a lot more open minded however at the same time simultaneously the black family or the desire to build black family black communities is rising alongside it so where marriage wasn't cool marriage is becoming something that is being embraced so much more again in the black community because People want that lifestyle where they can travel the world and um, have that companionship or just have a certain level of life. It's, whether it's financial reasons, whether it is uh, spiritual reasons, there is, I, I just keep seeing more people wanting to build together to build a legacy so that they are, whether they have children or they adopt children, so that they have a legacy of some sort whether they leave money to their nieces and nephews they want to build and continue to build the black empire community if that makes sense <laughs> it sounds like social responsibility of some sort there is there is social responsibility right like i completely agree i think i mean it's mm. for me i i ask myself as someone who's pro-black who has pan-african views so i think if you're going to say that then yeah that's definitely in your thought process when you're dating um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, you know, having that idea of kind of social responsibility or res yeah, responsibility to your kind of wider community um, of how you want to give back and how you want to build, um, you know, and how that looks generationally. So I think that's um, very important. But to go back, I think, you know, I don't think um, that meeting somebody the natural way, the more organic way will ever be outdated. Um, as much as we have apps and things like that, I think, you know, there's always still going to be that time when you might meet some two people are going to meet in a, uh, you know, a situation that's more social, through friends, um, you know, just on the street, whatever. So I think people will always kind of find ways to meet. I think it's just great now that we have, um, you know, more ways to do that and more ways to connect. And even like when um, David touched on the matchmaking thing, like I think that's so cool. I recently watched um, Indian Matchmaker on Netflix. Amazing. Um, yeah, and I thought it was so brilliant. Um, and I thought, you know what, if they had this within our community, I would definitely sign on to the book. So if I knew there was someone that was doing that and it was all about, you know, people who are pan-African, like-minded, and they'll connect you on all these different levels, like, I'm completely open for it. And I think, yeah, there is more of this shift towards marriage, more of this shift towards building generationally, more understanding now than ever of it. Um, and I think because of that, people are looking for marriage. Um, but yeah, we've got more ways to do it now. We've got apps, we've got, you know, meeting people the organic way. Um, I always ask friends to introduce me. So whatever, I think it's good. We're open and we've got lots of different avenues to pursue that. Black academic dating soon come. I'm going to start it up. Don't worry. I'm going to link up all the black people that are single. <laughs> <laughs> black academic. Yeah, no, we, got you. No, we got you. We got you. We got you. 
got a good idea there. Um, <laughs> I, I personally, just my point on apps, I think that apps work in favour heavily of men. I, I think dating apps from what I've seen, my, my friends and what I've seen myself, I think apps work disproportionately in favour heavily of men. I think that's why I'm concerned about the, the dating process of traditional means kind of becoming outdated and being phased out because I think men know they can have what they want when they want in a way that I don't think so many women are are um so accustomed to that kind of that kind of way of being. So I do get concerned about how apps distort who's benefiting from that. I think it's mainly men. But I'm gonna wrap up by asking all three of you guys for your best and worst dating experiences. I'm gonna start with you, David. I want to hear I want to hear from all three of you. What were your best and worst dating experiences? Try and keep it brief-ish and tell us why it was your best and why it was your worst. Uh, I'd say my worst, I think I kind of touched on it earlier where I met a girl and she just wouldn't really tell me anything about herself. And it was just painful for me, you know? I'm here to connect, I'm here to get to know you and you don't want to tell me anything. And it's like, we can live in, and it was, it was from online actually, I met online. And it's like living, I really got the sense of like someone who, and I understand for a woman, it's like living out of fear but it just didn't resonate with me. And for me, I think I left early and I think I probably only left early, probably two or three dates in my whole life. But I was just like, this is really painful. Uh, I'm leaving now. It may not have been my words, but I put it very uh, diplomatically, but I did leave early. Um, yeah, my best date. Wow. Oh, I don't know. I'd say... Don't upset your current partner. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. She's, in the, she's next door as well. Um, yeah, we had a really good date. Me and her, we, we just really connected. We really just spoke really openly and honestly about, you know, who we were, what we want for our lives, like what we enjoy. It just, and everything just flows very nicely, very organically. There's no forced conversation. There's no like pre-planned questions. Like for me, that's a, that's a really beautiful date where you look at the time and you're like, wow, time's gone really quickly. And I know so much about you. I feel like I've known you a very long time. Um, worst day, it was many moons ago, uh, when a guy, after going through an interview process with me, because um, it wasn't a date, it was an interview process, proceeded to walk me to the station and expected a kiss. And when I say expected, held his hand around my waist, pulled me in when my train had come, and I was trying to get on the train, I was like, you're not going until you kiss me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is hell. <laughs> so, and I didn't kiss him. Um, I, I was like, ah, oh! I started making noise and then I, uh, he let me go. Yeah, traumatic. And then um, my best date, probably um, being taken somewhere that I really enjoyed going, knowing that it wasn't really that person's interest or area of interest. Um, but Hubby basically did the research, was like, okay, this is theater. She loves seafood. And it just was seamless. And I could tell that it was well thought out and he'd been listening to everything, all the conversations and taking notes. Um, yeah, uh, well, actually, this is not my worst date, but I have to say it because I always think it's the most hilarious story I've ever heard. But it, basically a friend of mine, she went out on a kind of working lunch date. Um, so met this guy over her lunch break, went to lunch. And then as soon as she came back, like he messaged her and basically asked her back for the money for the lunch that he had just um, bought for her, which was like, and his bank details, and bank details so that she could give him the money back. So, I mean, that was the worst, that's the worst I've ever heard, like, honestly. Um, but yeah, in terms of a good date, I don't think I'm That is wild. <laughs> he said he I've heard about this before, though. 
<laughs> yeah, so that was crazy. Um, but in terms of a good day, I think just everything you guys have said pretty much, your best day I've been on, you know, just uh, take me for a nice, something nice to eat, you know, um, have that connection, talk about all those really important things and connect on that deeper level. Um, and also, you know, they've shown that they, yeah, have paid attention to all the conversations you've been having, all the things you've been talking about. Um, and yeah, you just know you've kind of connected on a deeper level and that's a good thing for me. My producer's going to beat me up because we're so well over, but I've got to ask this question. I was going to ask it just before, Shari, you came in then. Just very briefly, guys, where do you all stand on who pays the bill and who is precious about splitting bills or splitting the costs and who is who is very kind of ambivalent about it? I'll go first. I'll just kick off. So I, I, I always, I'm one of those guys, first day, I'm paying for everything. Well, I'm paying for the lion's share of the evening. That's the way I am. But I know lots of my guy friends are like, no, we, we split it. Fair's fair. It's 2020. Why would I pay for everything? But I'm just that way inclined. Where do you guys just briefly stand on the whole who pays for what on the first date? <laughs> I mean, I don't demand it. So I, I'm happy to do it if you want to. But it, I mean, I think it, it kind of leaves a different impression. So I think... I like it when I don't even necessarily see it, to be honest, and I don't have to do the awkward bit. Um, but yeah, if you want to split it, I'm happy to split it. I love that. <laughs> I don't even see the bill. It's taken care of. I went to the toilet, I came back, we're putting our clothes on. <laughs> oh, are we going to split it? Or the, you know, the rubbish around, around looking for the card, like, I don't want to do it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead and sort it out. Claire? I'm not really fussy, to be honest. So long as we've had the conversation before that awkward moment when the waiter gets there. Um, it's always nice when a guy insists. But again, you know, my dating experience is limited. When certain guys have insisted in the past because of a couple of my experiences, I'm like, oh, no, I don't owe you nothing. I don't really want you. Let's just go halves. And then we both know we're just both here with... And yeah, I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you a second date. <laughs> see, see, David, that's where, that's, that's where a lot of men, David, can't win. Because if we if we pay the bill, then we can't we lose because then the woman's thinking, he's thinking, I owe him something. Yeah. If we say, no, we're going to split yeah. the bill, we're getting side eye like, okay. I was like that, okay. No, I said no, I didn't dude. really mind in the beginning. Just let's have that conversation before we get to the dinner table and the waiter gets there because there's nothing worse than that awkward bit. If we say we're splitting it, cool. If you say you're going to pay, cool. But I know what the expectations are when that bill comes. Mm. I, I, I almost always offer, but I must say, I do find myself having a bit more respect for women who insist on paying like half the bill. Like, I, But there's times when I will insist. Uh, yeah. When it comes down to it, I don't really mind, but I will always say this to my clients. I say this to women I meet is like, this men paying for the bill is uh, if these roots are in sexism, like that women can't provide for themselves, that if you pay, then the woman does owe you something. That is its roots. Like we have to be really aware of it. It's like, that's a deep, and continuing that, I don't think is, it's, a lot of men still believe, like if I pay for the bill, she owes me something at some point. And that's yeah, not yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I hear it. Um, listen, I really enjoyed that guys. I've got lots of tips. I've got no pen and pad, but trust me, I've been making notes. <laughs> 
Um, it's up here, believe me. Um, I really enjoyed that, guys. Um, David, Claire and Shari, thank you very much for joining me here on It's All Black Academic. Don't forget, once again, the Black Academic shop is open. Go and treat yourself a bit of you know, self-love. Um, black business, we are a black business. Go and support a black business. Go and buy a T-shirt or something. We are out here. And also Black Academic community. Sign up to our Black Academic community. There'll be so much more stuff coming very, very soon. Subscribe to us on Black Academic TV, YouTube. Check out our website and we're across all the socials, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter as well. Until next time, take care of yourself. Look after the people then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.